Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I'm a co-chair of the Women's Advocacy Group, a subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female perspective on the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Welcome to our November podcast this month as we applaud and honor our veterans for everything they do to keep our country safe and we respect all that you have done. Thank you to our fellow member of the RCBC community, Dr. Tiffany Worthy, who is joining us today. She is a West Point grad, a veteran U.S. Army officer, and a mother. Welcome, Dr. Worthy. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Baroness Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We are so lucky to have you as one of uh, an RCBC community advocate, and I would just love for you to tell everybody a little bit about your background uh, in the military. Sure. So I graduated from the United States Military Academy many years ago, um, and it was a wonderful experience. Upon graduation, I commissioned as a United States officer. I attended officer basic training at Fort Jackson, where I was an adjutant general corps officer. And from there, I'm my career just launched off. Uh, I've had the opportunity to serve in the 2nd Infantry Division in Korea. I served as a company commander, uh, which was an amazing experience leading soldiers um, in Korea. After that, I spent some time at Fort Bragg, the center of the universe in 18th Airborne Corps, uh, where I deployed to in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And I got an opportunity to serve there uh, under Lieutenant General Vines, who was a three-star command in general of the ground forces. So it was an amazing opportunity to serve America's sons and daughters. That was pretty powerful uh, resume there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and I just would love for you to share what's that like working on the ground, like especially Iraqi freedom? Um, What is that like to just be on the ground with other fellow Americans supporting our country? Yeah, you know, I think that the time at West Point really um, helped me to shape my perspective and understand not just the fact that I'm serving, but I'm leading and how it's such a huge responsibility to be able to make decisions that truly impact the lives of America's sons and daughters. And I think for me, it was it was a great experience, um, but I really took took it to heart, you know, the the amount of influence, uh, the authority that I was given, and the trust that the United States Army placed in me as a young officer leading soldiers um, while we were in combat, while we were in conflict in Korea, um, and then also in a garrison co- uh, command in, um, in Fort Bragg, where we're not at war, but we're constantly preparing and thinking about what's next and what we need to do and how we're going to train. Uh, So I think for me, it was humbling, but I was very mindful of the amount of responsibility and authority that had been bestowed upon me. So what's really interesting, I think, about your career, we we just obviously, the the portfolio was very geared towards, um, obviously, your military, but you've actually moved 
all of those wonderful things that you've learned in the military to what you're doing today um, in, in the day-to-day. Um, you have a, a, a political career. Um, you have a career for nonprofits. And all those things that you learned in the military, can you share how they kind of cross-pollinate? Absolutely. You know, I think that West Point prepares you to be leaders of character for the nation for a lifetime of public service. In fact, it's part of the mission of the academy. And it's something that I took forward uh, with me. And so the skills that I learned in terms of leading others, being open, being agile, being persistent, having grit and tenacity are things that I was able to carry over into a political career, um, upseating three incumbents, um, leading a nonprofit to really help underrepresented youth uh, to make sure that they have a fair chance at aspiring to greatness also Um, and being a wife, a mom and so many other things. I think that I was prepared for it and I really took those lessons to heart. You know, as a college student, we were preparing to go forward to lead. We didn't have the same luxuries of just enjoying college per se, but you're, you're enjoying the college experience in preparation for leading soldiers and being a leader for a lifetime. So I think that those fundamental experiences and those years um, from 17 to 21 really shaped my perspective, my outlook, and helped me to understand who I was becoming. You know, a lot of people don't realize the numbers that are built into being a a female in the military. So I I just have a few quick numbers that I wanted to share. And then I wanted your reflection on that. Okay. So as of September 30th, 2019, there were 325,981 veterans in New Jersey, of which 25,791 are women. We have another one from the Department of Labor Statistics that there are nearly 2 million living women veterans in the U.S. Women currently make up approximately 10% of the overall veteran population. Veterans make up 14% of the men in America, but among women in America, only 1.5% are veterans. What do you reflect? First things that come to mind after I read those. Wow. Um, the numbers are astounding. And honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is how so many women um, opt out when it comes to veteran status. They don't want to talk about it. They, based on experiences they may have had, they, although they're veterans, you may never know. Um, and then you have other women veterans who are so proud. They want to join all the different organizations. They want everyone to know. They mark the box every time. So I would be really curious to know do those numbers even fully represent our women veteran population? Sure. And what's really interesting is, uh, you know, a lot of things you read and there's a lot of programs out there for female veterans. They call them the invisible stories. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that the women opt out? What, what can we, what can you do? What can we do to support these female veterans in our community and around the U.S.? Part of it, I think, is the growth that we have to continue to make as a nation. For instance, I have a West Point license plate on my car, and often people will comment and ask me, um, when did my husband graduate from West Point? Or do yes. I have a son at the academy? Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, I'm the grad. You're like, I'm, you're like, look right here. This it's is me. me. I right. did it. It's, right. it's me. I'm doing it. Yeah. And so I wonder if part of it is the invisibility because – they're there in plain sight, but unseen or unrecognized? Or is it 
also because you feel invisible because you fight so much just to be seen. So I think what we can do is to continue to offer those programs, continue to encourage uh, women veterans to participate and ask them to bring a friend or two. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that we can just make sure that the women feel valued and supported as veterans. Um, and I, I think that there's it's just something that we have to work on as a nation to continue to make sure that all people feel they're, that, that they are valued and they play a valued uh, role in our society. You said something really interesting there. You said, uh, you know, fight to be seen, a, a value to be seen. When you were um, during active duty, is there a story where you had to fight to be seen? And then what happened? Yeah, Um I have many, many stories, but, <laughs> one, <laughs> but I'll a, share. A good one to highlight. Yeah, I'll <laughs> highlight one. Um, I was a young uh, lieutenant in Korea, and my command consisted of uh, Korean augmentees to the United States Army, which we called Katusas. These are uh, young men who are serving their Korean Army, but supporting the United States Army in Korea. Okay. So I had them. I had uh, traditional United States Army soldiers, and then I had a large uh, Korean civilian population okay. that reported into me, all men. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I would give them uh, the orders of the day, what we needed to do, what our goals were. I had a strategic plan. I went through all the textbook training uh, that I could uh, from West Point and from my Army training. Sure. And I could not get a response. The men would not respond. They would not do uh, what I was asking. Many times they wouldn't show up for the meetings. And so I had to... So we have uh, this lack of respect. Yes, towards you as a female officer. That's correct. Um, in a leadership role. That's right. Correct. And so uh, I pulled aside one of the men to have a conversation over lunch to understand what was going on because we can't have this type of anarchy. Uh, we have to sure. have order. Right. Um, and he said, well, the older men just don't believe that they should be taking direction from a young woman. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, let's we need to work together to figure this out. His name was Dragon. <laughs> so Dragon and I worked together. And what I'd have to do is huddle with Dragon to let him know uh, what it is that needed to be done. We'd have the formation. Everyone would stand. I'd give the orders. And then after I dismissed everyone, then Dragon would have to huddle with the men to then reinforce what the I've order. already said yes, that sure. we would do. Right. And so um the, from an optics perspective, it was better, but it still was challenging to me knowing that um, what, they, what you said didn't matter. It didn't like matter. your words were not being heard. They didn't respect you. I mean, and that's tough in that yes. position. Oh my yes. goodness gracious. The dragon was great. He helped me to work through that and he honored, you know, our commitment. And so for that year plus, um, that's how we made it happen. And we got things done and we did build bridges and, and strengthen the relationship. But I learned that um, some minds won't change and you just have to find different strategies to be able to get the job done. And to a lot of women who are looking to serve, what would you tell them? Do it. And do it scared. 
I think that sometimes um, we shy away from challenges just because it looks like it may be too hard, too much. Maybe you don't know someone who's done it before. You're just afraid. Do it. Do it scared. Learn along the way. Apply the learning um, and trust the training because you're going to be equipped with the knowledge and the resources. The United States Army isn't going to throw you out there without the proper equipment and training and resources for you to be able to navigate. But thinking your way through a lot of challenging situations, trusting your capacity to be able able to think in real time and come up with solutions based on the training that you have, I think is something that we have to remember. So I tell young women and girls, do it. Uh, my daughter is serve is uh, getting commissioned uh, in December. Uh, my baby girl plans to um, go to our Army ROTC also and be a commissioned officer. There's so many paths to lead and serve in the, in the Army and in all the armed services. And I just feel like we need to encourage young women to do it and do it scared. You are so full of encouragement and just just talking to you is putting a smile on my face to present the female perspective in this area because so many people don't even think about females when you think of military. It's like the stereotype, right, of all the movies and 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 everything that's been out there. How do you keep challenging yourself day in day out um in, in your day-to-day routine, and what are you bringing from your military background to that? I think for me, I'm staying true to myself and to what I know my purpose is. Um, I use that all day, every day to decide what I'm going to do and what I will do no longer. Um, and I think that from my military service, I've just brought over the rigor and the the tenacity to keep going. Um, I learned what it feels like when you feel like you've given everything you have and you're about done, mm-hmm. um, but you actually have a little bit more you can squeak out. <laughs> sure. We always have to keep going. As women, we're like, you know, I don't know what it is. We have like this inner like thing that we just, we got to keep going. Right. We got to keep motivating, keep going. And what's really nice is um, you, you bring purpose and rigor through your nonprofit. Could you tell us a little bit about that program? Sure. All Things Are Possible Foundation is a nonprofit located in Willingboro, New Jersey. And our mission is to empower the youth and to enhance the community through academics, athletics, arts, and awareness. And we do that through offering after-school programs, cultural trips, full-day learning experiences, mentorship programs, scholarships. Um, There are just so many different components to it to help us to really be true to our mission. And we're excited to be able to serve so many youth in Burlington County and to help them to fulfill their life's purpose also. That's really amazing. How many um, students do you support in the program? Uh, Over the course of a year, about 500 students um, come through our programs, and then we do community events as well. So um, I'm sure over a thousand, uh, we can, we probably serve over a thousand students in the course of a year. That is amazing. And I'm sure a lot of your training and your background of leadership really holds true to keeping that community organization going. Absolutely. You know, um, I even help the students to understand their part. 
the part that they play as leaders. And we have elected officials. So we have fourth graders serving as the mayor and commissioners <laughs> and sheriff and to help them to begin to see what it means to be a leader and to experience it as a young at a young age, whether it's being responsible for sharpening all the pencils, making sure all of the markers are working or doing a count to make sure we have the proper number of students accounted for when we're in the building. And so my leadership experiences um, really are just the foundation so that I can start pouring into our youth and they're prepared for the future. So we just talked about how you're supporting the youth um, in your community. How can we support female veterans? What a great question. I think that supporting female veterans takes so many different forms, whether uh, knowing more about the veteran um, and her experience and supporting her in leadership um, wherever she's leading, um, providing that support. You know, if it's in the workplace, amplifying her voice to make sure she's heard, because sometimes the same challenges that women who aren't veterans face in the workplace are the same challenges that female veterans uh, also experience in the workplace. I think also uh, joining different organizations and female veterans serving in leadership. And we need uh, men to support these women who are running for different positions in the auxiliaries and veterans for foreign war organizations and supporting them as they endeavor to lead some of those organizations. Um, and I think just showing the solidarity that uh, there are many different faces of what veterans can look like. And as we continue to support the veterans, I think even the stereotypical image of what a veteran is will change. And so if they see if someone sees me as a woman, they can imagine, oh, she could be, she actually could be the veteran. She could be that West Point grad instead of having a different image that comes to mind when we say veteran. What do you think the public's perception and stereotype of veterans are? I believe that a stereotypical veteran would be a white male. So if you see an older white male and uh, uh, with a VFW hat on, um, lots of pins and badges, um, I don't think people think about those who have visible disabilities. You know, if they say they're a vet, they may not even consider that. I think often when people see people of color, um, the assumption is that they must have been a, a an enlisted soldier taking orders. Um, I think that... Uh, depending on who you see and, and what your perspective is, uh, it varies. But often, I think uh, older white male, they're like, that was the veteran who must have served. And now that we are honoring our vets for Veterans Day this November, what are some things that you have attended for Veterans Day and what will you be doing this Veterans Day? Yes. Oh, I have enjoyed Veterans uh, Day parades. In fact, uh, this Veterans Day, Willingboro Township will have a Veterans Day parade. I'm a member of the council, and so uh, the township council will be in the parade. I'm so excited about that, um, and I've done that a few times. Um, there are lunch events for veterans. Habitat for Humanity is hosting one of those events, so I'll be heading over to one of those. Um, there have been different events at the various uh, Masons Masonic Lodge. VFWs, auxiliaries, um, they're hosting different events. But this year in particular, I am going to be marching in Willowell Township's Veterans Day Parade, November 11th. That is amazing. And I think as, like you said, as a wife and a mother, and then you're having your children follow in your footsteps, do you have a long line of military in your background? It's actually a little spotty. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, I've had some great uncles who served in the Navy. Uh, my sister uh, was in the Navy. Um, but for me and my generation, we're we're going strong. So to be me and my children going forward, my husband uh, 
is a veteran also. But I don't have a long, oh, my grandfather, yes, he was also, uh, he was in the Army as well. Um, so a little spotty, not everybody does it, but those who do truly enjoy it. And you can see how the military has impacted their life in terms of how they live their life after service. And what are you sharing with your children as they'll go and embark this next piece of their career? You know, the, the conversation really has been about who are you and who are you becoming? Because if you don't have a plan for what you're endeavoring to do, uh, the Army has a plan for you. And I think that while serving is wonderful, you also need to understand what it is that you're looking to accomplish. What are your personal goals? Um, is active duty the right move? Perhaps being a reserve soldier or National Guard is an option. Um, so I believe that that for my family, what's really important to us is making sure that they're staying true to who they are and authentic to their life's purpose as they endeavor to serve. So your leadership skills and your commitment to people and organizations and your commitment to veterans, um, especially females, you hold a seat on a Willing Boroughs Town Council and you're an, you're an advocate for your community. And I think that's so powerful. Can you share what are some of those skills that you've learned, you know, during your time at West Point, um, you know, being in during active duty, being on the ground, doing all the amazing things that you've had the experience of doing. How are you bringing that and what are you bringing to the table as a community leader? Yes. Um, you know, at West Point, we talked a lot about respect. In fact, um, I was one of the leaders of the Respect for Others Advisory Council, and that is my currency, respect. And when I became an elected official in Willingboro, I was sworn in as mayor January 1st, 2020, and then the world shut down 90 days later. Um, I had the opportunity to represent Willingboro and help other organizations to respect our township. And by that, I mean, we had challenges with something as simple as being able to keep our lights on. We struggled with our utility provider, power outages everywhere. Um, and so we called a series of meetings. I called a series of meetings um, because we wanted to demand the respect and attention of our utility provider sure. to make sure our residents had power. Here we are in a right. pandemic. Yeah. People are working from home. Children are working from home. You have food. Yeah. Everyone's going out getting all this food, trying to have it. And we didn't have lights. Um, and so at West Point, I learned the power of advocacy. I learned how to advocate. And I learned how to represent the voices of those who were being overlooked, who were underrepresented, and who deserved the respect and the attention. And so I think that, you know, with my leadership as mayor for two years, um, I brought I tried really hard to bring civility and respect back to our township in terms of how we dealt with developers, utility providers, um, big business, and how Willingboro was perceived and received in those spaces. And so I think that came for me, a lot of that came from my training at West Point and also as a soldier, because respect for others, when you're living in close quarters, when you're out and about trying to do what is right, Respect is just the baseline. That is the foundation upon which we can build collaboration and, and foster cooperation and really achieve the goals. And I think the other thing I have to say is the skill of strategic planning. 
I love a strategic plan. I love to write it. I love to operationalize it. I'm hiring it. you next time. Strategic plans. I, I think we need it. that. We do. And, and, you know, it was missing from Willingboro Township. And um, because it's something that I enjoy doing, um, I was able to get the, the township council to really support and advocate for the strategic plan and get the buy-in from the administration. And now we are set. We have our strategic plan. And of course, you have to revisit it. Of course, it takes some tweaking. But it's the first time that our township had one. We're living it out. We're making progress. And we will continue to be better as a as a township. What is your personal strategic plan as a female veteran? <laughs> uh, my personal strategic plan would be to continue to build the capacity of people and organizations. That's it. That is pretty, that is, that, that's succinct strategic plan. I like it. I like it. So what I've been doing this whole podcast and, and let me tell you out of all of my guests and we're coming up on a full year of, of a Baroness podcast, I write down words that you've been saying throughout our discussion here. And you, I'm telling you, if I had to put a word cloud together, I feel like this word cloud would be the best word cloud of all these words that you've been saying. And you you may want to get it printed out and <laughs> hang it in your office because it's so powerful to me just thinking about all these words. So what I do is I write down these words and at the end, I write down these words and I say, if these were all hashtags, these would be the words that you just said throughout our time here speaking. But I want to know what your personal hashtag is. So I'm going to read from all the words that you've said today. And I want you to tell me what at the end what your personal hashtag would okay. be. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. I'm ready for this amazing list of words because I feel like you are such a powerful leader and an inspiration. And, and I've just loved talking with you today. So here we go. Voices, advocate, respect, apply, do it, perspective, leading, serving, experience, influence, authority, trust, preparing, train, humbling, responsibility, agile, go a uh, grit, tenacity, equipped, think, purpose, and rigor. And that was probably not even like, uh, that was probably like a quarter of the words that you use today to talk about you, your, your journey, your career inside and outside of the military. What would be your hashtag? My hashtag would simply be keep going. Expand on keep going to all the young women who are aspiring to do what you're doing right now. Yes, keep going despite the fear, despite the challenges, persist. Uh, keep going when you don't believe in yourself because it will come over time. Keep going when others don't believe in you uh, because you know you have a purpose. And keep God at the center of it all so that you know what it is that you should do, how you should do it. And I think just as importantly, what you should not do any longer. So keep going. I love that. And I have a few more data points to, to wrap us up. It says to meet one female veteran, you have to meet 69 people. Okay. To meet just one woman under the age of 35 who have served in the military, you may have to meet 120 women of that age group. The median age of a male veteran is 65 years old, while the median age of a female veteran is 51 years, a difference of 14 years 
years. Wow. And it is projected that 12% of veterans nationwide will be women by the year 2025. Wow. So I would like to thank Dr. Tiffany Worthy for joining us today. Please visit our website for more information about DEI initiatives and our committee, www.rcbc.edu diversity. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC Podcast Network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast and subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast wherever you tune in. For a female perspective into the Burlington County community, you have been listening to the Baroness Podcast. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness Podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC Podcast Network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness Podcast available on all streaming platforms.